podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to the Five Podcast. Oh. Wow, the harmonies there were superb. Uh, it's Pod Four One Seven, uh, and we're going to review Palace's last-minute defeat at home to Chelsea. Um, and with me to do that, uh, Jim Daly is Jack Pierce. Jack, hello to you. How are you doing? Hi, hi JD. Yeah, uh, the wind hasn't got me carried away. Um, so, uh, but it did mean I did have to drive on Saturday. So, um, watching Palace probably two or three pintless less than I, or two <laughs> or three pint less than I normally do. So, um, hey, I might might give the listener a slightly different perspective on on my normal analysis. I'm all real. I'm all real and gritty analysis. <laughs> all real, yeah. Of Palace, <laughs> and there were only 22 players on the pitch, which is like half of what there normally is. So <laughs> that's pretty good. It's <laughs> a whole new ball game. Yeah. Um, also joining us, Jesse Boyce. Jesse, hello to you. How you doing? Good afternoon, guys. Good to be with you both again. Looking forward to uh, a quite a kind of contentious week, isn't it? Contentious moment that Palace are in. So lots to talk about. We love contentious. <laughs> it makes the pod very easy indeed. Um, before we get on to the contentious parts of this episode, let's get the admin done. So first of all, let's get a drum roll for a random patron, please. It's Mr. David Leach. Hey, David. Hello, David. Uh, you can join the patron like David and get all the rewards, which include post-match podcasts after every game, patron-only merchandise and access to the patron-only Discord club at patron.com slash FYP podcast. Uh, and patrons get, all patrons get 20% off our available public lines of merch at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. Uh, and they've had a website revamp. So go and check out podcastmerch.co.uk. Uh, and in fact, they've now, I think, got multicolored mugs is their new thing. So you can get all our previous designs on multicolored mugs. So uh, if you've got a birthday or something, it's Mother's Day is coming up, I think, isn't it? Something like that. Get onto podcastmerch.co.uk. Get yourself some FYP Just buy your mum a present anyway. It doesn't have to be a special day. Just get her an FYP mug. Just exactly. if you love your mum, yeah. buy her a mug. Indeed. If you want to be the you know favorite sibling in a family, get yourself a typical palace mug. And, or, uh, or maybe the least favourite getter of Palace Mug. Whatever, whichever way your family works. Exactly. It works for all occasions. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, really quick thank you to everyone who came to my Leicester uh, Comedy Festival show at the weekend. Uh, we had a sold-out room, which was great, and a really lovely audience. Um, I know Andrew, our patron, came all the way from Gloucester, and there was a few other people that drove from Sheffield and stuff. So people really made an effort. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. If you're based in London, I am doing the show uh, next at the Museum of Comedy which is in central London on the 24th of March at 7pm. Tickets are eight quid or two for 12 quid with the discount code Cascarino. Um, and you can get those at jimdailycomedy.com slash gigs or museumofcomedy.com. Although on the Museum of Comedy 
website. I'm not very prominent, so it might just be easy to go on the link on, on my website. But either way, get yourself a ticket and uh, come along. It's a very fun, silly show. Uh, what's, what's the Cascarino connection, Jim? So uh, basically, throughout the show, I've used Tony Cascarino's book, Full Time by Tony Cascarino, which is, which is a, actually a really good uh, football autobiography, uh, as my influence for the first year of becoming a parent. So that becomes apparent during the show. Cascarino pops up a few times. And literally at one point as well. Uh, so that's why I thought I'd make him the guy. He's weirdly more of a star of the show than I am. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's why the discount code is Cascarino. Any case, uppercase, lowercase, whatever. Right. Uh, speaking of, actually, Jack, a former Tony Cascarino team. I mean, that is, almost seems like I planned Whoa, that. seamless. That, that is unbelievable. Uh, one nil defeat at home to Chelsea. Uh, I didn't go, obviously, because I was in Leicester doing my show, but I watched the highlights afterwards. And general consensus seems to be that it wasn't a terrible performance by Palace, but this trend of a late goal cropping up again. I got a question from one of our favourite listeners. Can you guess who it is? The guy with a great name? Spoon Bill McCompty. Oh, yes. That's the guy. Uh, how many times are we going to say that it was a performance that deserved more than the got? How many times will Vieira say, we make these mistakes, we must learn from them in regards to late goals? It must be in double figures for late goals. I haven't checked that, actually. But where do you stand in that? Was it a good performance or are you leaning towards the here we go again side of things? First and foremost, I think it's probably fair to say that Chelsea have moved on from the Tony Cascarino days. Um, <laughs> but saying that, Tony Cascarino probably would have had more touches than their striker did on Saturday. So we'll, yes, we'll, I saw we'll leave stat, it there. I saw a stat that the Palace, one of the ball boys, had more touches, eight touches correct. to Lukaku's seven. That is correct. Yeah, Lukaku had seven. Um, and the only time, this isn't a Chelsea podcast. Sorry, Dom, but this isn't a Chelsea <laughs> podcast. Um, so I'll, I'll try to leave the Chelsea analysis for another day. But the only time he actually had the beating of Anderson, um, who he did play on more than he played on Gay, both of them dealt with Lukaku very well. But the only time he actually had the beating of Anderson was when it was pulled back for the offside from yeah. this Lauko, which I think is testament to how well both uh, Anderson and Gay um, played, who played a striker who on his day can be be very good. Um, I, I, in answer to the question, it is probably becoming a little bit tiresome in, in terms of hearing the same things. Um, I don't know whether it is double figures as to the goals we've conceded, but I do know in terms of percentages, our figures for goal conceding do spike at the end of both halves. So that there, there is a trend there. And I think, uh, you know, as, as fans will hear the management team say and players say, and, you know, post-match uh, press duties, oh, it's frustrating, we will learn from it. When you see this trend continuing, um, it is frustrating. Uh, I thought the performance on Saturday was, was solid and, and I don't think... Um, either team did enough to really win the game. It was one of those games where actually a nil-nil was probably fair. Um, mm. I don't think Butland or uh, Edward Mendy had a save to make in the um, in the second half, other than the one that Butland did save from the disallowed goal and then the the, the chance that he didn't save from, from Ziyech at the end. So um, it, a nil-nil would have probably been fair, and I think Chelsea will probably see that as two points gained, uh, really, given the performance, although they obviously started the game thinking they would have wanted to win that, um, undoubtedly, away at Palace for Chelsea. But um, good performance. Um, I liked uh, the change in formation. When I saw the team lineup, I didn't suspect it was going to be a, a change in formation, but I liked Elisa as the 10. Um, Will through the middle, which um, has worked previously um, this season at City, it worked well. So it was nice to see that be given a go. Maybe we'll, we'll touch on how well he did a bit later on but um, I like the formation Czech and Maka in the middle made us look uh, a far more balanced team 
um, and and therefore I would say a better team. Um, I thought Maka's energy, given the fact he's missed um, nearly three, well, three months of football since his last start, the Wolves game in early November, so over three months since he last started, he played really well and, and was at it uh, the whole game until he got taken off um, after they went one up. Um, and, and Koyate was was his typical destructive self. Um, so we, look, we looked a better team. Um, and then defensively, Klein came in for Wardy, was solid, um, not spectacular, but but did a good job. Um, and as I said, the, the two centre-halves were, were probably the standard, particularly Anderson had a, had a very good game to the point where I'd say that was perhaps his best game in a Palace shirt so far. So, yeah, lots of positives to take, but, yeah, very frustrating to, to leave that game without a point that I think we probably warranted. Um, and, and again, we, we'll probably talk about the actual goal in a bit, but frustrating to concede that type of goal at that point of the match. Well, let's come on to the goal, actually, Jesse. I was going to ask you about that because obviously it was a, uh, I mean, it looked like an error from Mitchell, who apparently did have a very good game and has had a very good season for us. I mean, there's been so many games previously where he has dug Palace out of holes and made spectacular blocks and is 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 really developing to, into a top class fullback. But obviously, he miss, misses the, the flight of the ball and, and Ziyech. With, with a very difficult technique, actually, to throw on the volley at the back post. Butler with no chance when it's that close through your legs, keepers, it's very hard to get to. But I guess also, as Adam says on the post-match, you know, regularly, it's never one person's fault for a goal, you know, and, and Alonso was allowed the time to pick that out. We know Alonso's quality with his left foot. Um, so I guess frustrating, but it does, it plays into that, that, that trend of just late lapses of concentration, you know, and you've got so close, especially against a, a big team. I know we've, points against various sizes of teams previously but it's just about that focus isn't it i remember uh, james scowcroft coming on the post-match pod after we won at um city back in 2018 with with andros's thunderbolt saying saying that the focus of the players in those final few minutes after de bruyne made it 3-2 was unbelievable and actually as a player that's really where your your ability and skill comes in to be able to just focus on doing the right things not making mistakes and holding out against strong teams but it does seem to be a um a slight trend, and again, frustrating on Saturday with the way that goal went in, because eminently probably quite preventable. Yeah, I, I would agree with what you said there about it's quite hard to pin the blame entirely on Mitchell. Um, slightly unfortunate in that Ziyech was where he was, and the finish was pretty clinical. So um, there is that. But I also think you can put a, a sort of smidgen of blame on Klein, maybe for not a, closing down the cross. But and Eze's jogging alongside him as well and not really attacking the ball. And I just I think there's an interesting point there where a lot of this kind of uh, this theme of conceding late goals does does this coincide at all with the criticism that Vieira's had with his substitution policy? Like the players who are on at the end of the pitch and the sort of ad hoc um, formation that we end up being in can't obviously help as well. Like we've seen Mateta end up as on the right of midfield, tracking back at Brighton um, and got away with it in that one. But, you know, I see Eze, Eze's just not really up to speed yet. He's clearly going to have a slow recovery back to the form we know that he he can show. He's coming on with five minutes to go against Chelsea, who have been eking out these uh, narrow victories all season. Um, and he's just jogging alongside Alonso and lets, he's, he can whip that ball in uncontested when there's one of those two players really could have got a bit closer to him. So I don't know if there's something in that, but it's, I think there is something slightly odd about the, the game management when you see all three strikers benched um, and only one of them coming on in, in injury time 
Matessa in the ninety second minute. That does seem a little odd to me. I wonder. I wondered if it's the first time. Is this the first time that Vieira's put Zaha in as the striker? Because maybe he's seen that that's how Roy got success against Chelsea yeah, with Zaha. Yeah. So I wondered if that was something in it there. But I do wonder. It's, it's quite telling that all three recognised strikers were benched. Maka and Kiate coming back in. That's not. That's not in any way strange. They, they've been two of our most effective midfielders on and off when they've been able to play this season. So no surprise to see them come back in. And then I'm sure we will talk about Elise in the 10 role because it really was quite impressive from what I've seen. I couldn't make the game on Saturday. I had to listen to it on the radio. And Elise and uh, Anderson were, were talked about quite favourably. So an interesting kind of setup, um, And I feel like there's some positives there. But are you, I do wonder if this these late... Um, mistakes and uh, errors that we're making. If there's a bit of the formation and the team that ends up finishing the game, if if we could just get a little bit more um, solidity and um, just something more consistent going, I feel like we can maybe stop making these errors. And I feel like obviously um, Butland coming in for Gaeta that was that might have messed his plans a little bit on the sub side of things. Maybe that made him think twice about when to use his, his two subs. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, possibly. The uh, we don't know much about the Guaita thing apart from that it's an injury behind the knee or something. So we don't. I don't know if there's been any, J- any more information about that. JD, the, the the point Jesse makes about Eze and the sub was one that that struck me at the time. Eze came on, and when I saw him stripped and ready to come on, I turned to my mate um, and I said, "I like this sub. I like I like it a lot because I thought Eze was coming on to the ten, yeah. and Elise would go right, or Elise might be pulled. Elise had a very good game, but he'd, you know, played eighty-five minutes in a very high-intensity midfield, high-intensity um, across the pitch that game, and he was tracking back and playing in the ten meant that he was having to drop in and become the three. So if he'd been pulled with five to go, I'd have completely understood. But when Eze came on, Chelsea had a throw-in in the in the bottom uh, or in their left-back position. And Eze, Elise and Wilf kind of all looked at each other as if to say, what's going on here? And they had to throw in. So Eze naturally being the closest kind of dropped in and, and, and filled that right side of the uh, of the attacking uh, three and never really reverted back to maybe coming centrally. I, I, I've never seen Eze play wide right. Um, at all, when I've seen him wide, he's coming from the left-hand side. Um, I just wonder whether the message wasn't particularly clear when he came on. Um, I, if if it had been Elise off and Jordan Ayew had stayed on, I don't think Chelsea score that goal because I think Eze, uh, sorry, I think Jordan Ayew blocks that cross or gets close enough to Alonso, who is, as you say, renowned for his decent quality in the box. I think stopping crosses into the box is a fundamental part of any level of football. But when you've got a game being... Um, Kind of the the big factor on Saturday, and I don't know if it came across on TV, but the wind was was quite something. And you had very high quality players. I mean, some of Chelsea's players. I mean, Jorginho is a European uh, Championship winner, uh, and Golo Kante is a current World Cup winner. Mm. Both of those had moments where they lost the ball completely. And I just think stopping the cross is such a fundamental part of the game in ideal conditions. Let alone when the weather is as you know, turbulent as it was on Saturday. And it doesn't surprise me that header was missed at the back post. I do think Mitchell's position was not great anyway, but you can't blame him entirely for missing the flight of that ball when everybody else was doing it throughout the whole game. But if Jordan Ayew's on the pitch, he's probably blocking that cross and celebrating it as much as he would do if he'd scored a goal, because that's what Jordan Ayew does. And that sub, as I said, when I first saw it, I thought, yeah, I like that. But um, actually, 
um, I, I don't think the brief was particularly clear for what was going on there. So that did lead to it. And, and whether it's Klein or Eze in terms of who should be blocking the cross, one of them didn't. And then it leads to the, the chance. And with the quality Chelsea have got in the final third, they're going to take it. Uh, irony being that actually Mitchell seems to be normally quite good at um, blocking crosses as well. So um, irony being that he's in on the back post and uh, uh, letting it in. Has my audio gone weird? No. No? Oh, weird. Only my, only in my ear. Um, yeah, we had a few questions about subs, actually. Gareth Davis says, subs, why the reluctance? Because I know uh, the last uh, Mateta and Eze were quite late, weren't they? PC-wise, was Roy controlling the subs bench on Saturday? I'm not sure it was <laughs> Not sure it was that bad, PC. Um, and a lot of people talking about the formation, actually. And I guess, really, with the subs and the formation, he is, in a way, Vieira, slightly sort of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Because if he goes defensive with the subs, then and something goes wrong, then people hark back to the, the Brighton or the Arsenal game when they invited it on. And if he goes attacking, which did work away at City, uh, but then obviously at the weekend something goes wrong, then then that's you know a point to uh, stick to beating with. So uh, it is difficult. It is difficult, but it does sound like some, they slightly sort of misfocused a little bit on Saturday with it. But overall, Jesse, people seem to be quite happy with the formation, as Jack said earlier, with the formation change. Gareth Richards uh, from California. Hello, hello, Gareth in California. Gareth. Um, overall, good performance. Did the gaffer get it right with the formation? Uh, Spoon Bill McHumpty again. I think the team selection was brave. It was crying out for a striker. Maybe Odson would have done a better cho- uh, been a better choice than Will. The rest of the team was spot on, and I can understand why he set up um, that way. Uh, Jack Steele. Hello, Jack. Fiera has finally broken the mould systematically in the team that came out in a 4 2 3 1. Was the tactical shift a reason for a mostly positive outing against Chelsea or were our opponents just on bad form? I think, Jesse, when you're playing a top six, you can't, uh, and they're always going to be quite decent. So sounds like Vieira has given himself another option there, formation-wise. Yeah, this is what we've been looking forward to, is just having real competition for places. I mean, you've, I just can't imagine a Palace side in living memory, I would say living memory, but it's a Premier League living memory where you've got Mateta, Benteke, Eduard, all having to sit on the bench. Um, I think Schlupp, I like Schlupp in that position. I think, and he, he got a good early ball into um, into the front, was it Zaha, in the first few minutes. So I, yeah, I yeah. Saw, saw uh, into Elise, that, that was a lovely move, actually. That, yeah. that deserved a goal. That's right. So you kind of can see the logic in that. I think Vieira loves AU for his experience and his retention is ball winning capability so you can see why AU starts in that team um, yeah I think just to answer those questions and those observations I think it is good to see a bit of progression he is getting a bit of reputation a bit of a tinker man Vieira but I, you know, as I said I don't think you can accuse him of that in the midfield area because Keate and MacArthur coming back we've all been um, looking forward to that but yeah, it's just these front four, I guess. I mean, first time we've none of us have seen Elise in the hole before, and he, he did so well. I think what's great about him is, apart from the obvious, his, his kind of willingness to attack and his fearlessness, he is very keen on keeping the ball. He does not like giving the ball away. He's not afraid to play a simple pass if it means to get some out of a spot of bother and he has to go backwards, he'll do it. And he won't give it up need, needlessly, whereas a 20-year-old Zaha was not like that. So I think there's something very refreshing about how mature he is and how dangerous he can be as well. He's, he's a very useful player. You can just see he can play anywhere across that kind of attacking line. We haven't seen him as the striker, but you know he could do it. 
Um, so I, I just wonder what he's going to do. He seems he doesn't know who his favourite striker is, clearly. He's got a problem with Benteke. He doesn't trust him. Whenever he's come off the bench, he doesn't do anything. So he's not going to get the starting spot, you would have thought, for a while. Edouard's his signing, so he does bear some responsibility on his success and how he fits into the team. And then Matessa, by extension, he's given him his, his contract not too long ago. So it's, it will be interesting to see. And hopefully he holds his nerve because we've got some tricky fixtures coming up. I do expect to see a little more tinkering before he, he settles on a kind of recognised 11. Yeah, Jack, are you a fan of the tinkering? We've had a question from Chris Chantry. I feel we're a striker and a Gallagher slash Hughes away from this being our strongest 11. Uh, the question is, will we see the changes for Watford or will I inevitably be disappointed? Cheer up, Chris. It's, it'll be okay. It's not that bad. Um, Daniel J. Edwards, how do you rate Elise's pre- preference as an attacking central midfielder? Are you a fan of this tinkering, Jack? I, I, I like the formation. Um, I, I just wonder whether, was it was it designed because he wanted to play that system or was it designed because he didn't have Conor Gallagher to choose? I, 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 I did wonder whether if Gallagher had been available, whether he would have just stuck with the 4-3-3 that served him yeah. so far this season. Um, and where does Gallagher get back into that team? If, if we're saying that Gallagher's had a better season at Palace playing further up the pitch than he did at West Brom playing as one of the base midfielders, would we lose the value in having him in the team if he was asked to play the Macca or Czech role as they were on Saturday and both of them excelled? And, I, I, you know, I, I don't know whether they would, whether the team would be better served with Gallagher in the team playing that deeply or does he come in and play in the Elise role and then you lose the benefit to having Elise who, who did do very well through the middle. It, yeah. I, I actually think we'll go back to four, three, three when, when Connor's back available. I, I don't think that system suits Connor Gallagher. And uh, I think Gallagher gets in the, gets in the team. I'd be surprised if Gallagher's uh, doesn't start against Watford on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so I did like the formation. I like the fact that, you know, Vieira has trialed another system in a, in a match that mattered. Uh, I, I think four, three, three, uh, when you've got the right players, um, it is a very effective system. But as we've seen, when we've missed some key players, uh, it, it doesn't suit the players that maybe are coming in to, to replace the players that are missing. So it's better to have a variety of formations which can suit the, the, the bounty of players you have available for any given match. And I, I think for its, um, I think that's the first time we've seen it this season. I, yeah. And I think it works quite well. So uh, the, the question of Will through the middle, I... I thought he did okay. I mean, he showed some lovely touches, particularly towards the end of the game. Um, he, he did really well. But what we have to say is he's up against Thiago Silva, Antonio Rudiger and Andres Christensen. Um, Thiago Silva, God knows how many trophies that guy's won. He's absolutely class. And, uh, you know, is, is for me, one of the better centre-halves in the Premier League, even aged 59 or whatever he is now. <laughs> uh, and then Christensen and Rudiger, perhaps the two most highly valued free agents going into this summer in Europe. So are we expecting Wolf to get the better of a calibre of defender like that. I don't know, particularly in a position where he, he doesn't have the greatest amount of experience. But that said, come the second half, he showed some lovely touches and, and did get us up the pitch. And then it was others' wastefulness with the final pass or making the wrong decision that meant we didn't really get anywhere. So, Wolf through the middle is an option. But as Jesse says, that's an option when perhaps you're missing some of your central strikers who are bread and butter central strikers. For, so, for all three of them uh, to be on the bench, I think is a sign from Vieira that He's not particularly happy with the three of them. And uh, I, I said in previous weeks, I, I do think that the club will be looking to make moves in that part of the squad in the summer, despite the need to be spending money elsewhere. I, I think it's clear that if, if he's not starting 
one of three central strikers as a striker centrally, it kind of says everything that there is to be said about it. Yeah, that does seem to be the area of the pitch that he is he is not sure about, whereas the rest of the pitch seems to almost sort of pick itself when people are available. Um, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because I guess you could translate it two ways. One, here's a manager that doesn't quite know his best system or, 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 or is still trying things out at this stage in the season. Is that a worry? Versus this is a manager that's happy to be flexible and change it game to game. So I guess it depends on whether your glass is half full or half empty. Um, either way, we're going to uh, take that glass throw it over our shoulder and that that makes no sense and uh, take a quick break for part two and when we come back it's our winners and losers Albert Harry Harry Bassett those are the best Harry's Crystal Palace have had that I could think of. I mean, here's another. As this week's episode of the FYP podcast is sponsored by harrys.com. We all know Palace are more than a football club. Well, Harry's is way more than a razor company. They're here to revamp your whole routine, much like Patrick Vieira has revamped the Eagles this season. From close shaves and flake-free hair all the way to clear, healthy skin, Harry's helps guys feel good. Harry's come personally recommended by FYP and they're offering FYP listeners a free trial set with a travel sized shower gel. All you've got to do is go to harrys.com slash FYP and pay the £3.95 for postage. Uh, the trial set is everything you'll need. An expertly engineered weighted handle, five blade cartridge that's made in Germany, no less, complete with precision trimmer, some foaming shave gel, a travel blade cover and a free shower gel for FYP listeners. I've actually been using Harry's for a while myself personally. I can say that the shave is as clean as a Michael Elise strike and the shower gel left me invigorated like a last minute Benteke winner at the Amex. And Jack, I believe you've been sent some Harry's stuff as well. And uh, you're a fan. I am. I, uh, the look and the, the quality of it is, is, is really good. And uh, even for a bearded man like myself, um, I, have, I have been using it to, to, to clean shave parts of my face that haven't been clean shaved for a while. So um, <laughs> they've, they've got me back into the, uh, the wet shave game. And uh, yeah, really, really nice quality stuff. Fantastic. And of course, they've got other bits available as well. You know, cleansing and exfoliating before you shave increases the chance of cleaner results. And Harry's shower gels, face washes and skincare products can be added to your shave plan anytime, anywhere. Plus, their products are formulated with 0% sulfates, parabens or dyes. And unlike most of us that sell us on match days, are alcohol free. So give your own shower shave a go by redeeming a free Harry's trial set. All you cover is the £3.95 for delivery. Just head to harrys.com slash... Welcome back to the Five Pan Podcast. Way it's pod four one seven, I think, and it's time for part two, which is winners and losers. This is a patron only section, so if you're listening on the public feed and you want to hear our winners and losers from the weekend, go to patreon.com, p a t r e o n dot com slash fyp podcast, uh, and you can sign up there to the various tiers to get this part of the pod, and you get post match pods and all that stuff we mentioned in part one if you are listening on the public feed you now will hear a clip from the weekend's pod extra with dom and rob from outside selhurst um so let's make that split now kind of sucker punch um against a very good chelsea side but one that looked quite tired really after their world championship exploits um what were your thoughts on the game i thought chelsea were there for the taking I thought they looked jet. Well, I mean, in fairness, Thomas Tuchel said they were jet lagged afterwards, and said a, a number of them hadn't slept particularly well since coming back and their exertions in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I, I actually, 
I quite liked the, the idea behind the, the tactical switch in the absence of Conor Gallagher. I, I like the idea of having more pace in the team, having a fluid front line. It was similar in many ways to what Roy did in his first uh, game against Chelsea with Palace, which was actually his first league win as Palace manager way back in, what, 2017, with when he played the split strikers of, of Zaha and, uh, and Townsend. But there was still more energy in this in this Palace team, and at least say operating in that number ten role and creating in the way that he did was, um, you know, I thought there was promise to that. However, that said, it, it only gleaned chances on the counter attack and half chances at that. Really, I mean, Wolves Wolves won in the first half, right at the end of the first half. It's obviously the the best um, of those um, when he just puts it wide on the far post. Um, and I re- really, although we, we did very well for a 15, 20-minute period at the start of the second, period, second half where we were the, the team in the ascendancy, um, from the moment that Chelsea made their triple substitution um, and brought on Kovacic um, to add a bit more steel to their midfield, um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well, to refresh the, the, the midfield, and Marcus Alonso, a left-back, he's obviously got more far more of a presence going forward than Malang Sarr ever will have. Um, I thought they... I thought it, it, the writing was on the wall at that point, to be honest. And I know Kovacic is his first touch. He puts Lukaku through for the disallowed, what ended up being the disallowed goal by VAR. But it felt like Palace needed to react at that point. And when they did make the change, yeah, I'm back here again. When they did make the change, Eberichieze comes on for Jordan Ayew, who has done an industrious, but you know, typical Jordan Ayew performance on that flank. Eze comes on and we still haven't got that focal point. And I think at that stage of the game, we needed a focal point to our attack. We needed a we needed a Mateta or a Benteke leading the line to give us a bit of an out ball um, and a presence up top to just sort of, I don't know, keep, keep Chelsea honest almost. Um, and I just felt that, I thought we handed them the initiative a bit with that and allowed them to fresh legs. A lot of quality they've obviously brought on there. They've, they've brought on three international players top top quality international players as well and and it and it cost us and it's frustrating that the goal came so late but it wasn't surprising i didn't i didn't feel i wasn't surprised by it i i felt as if that it was heading that way at that point it's it's difficult isn't it because i think you can see the logic in playing wilfred zaha as a center forward in in a game like that in some ways and had Wilf taken any one of those, I think, three chances maybe that he had, you'd, you'd have said that was a, an inspired decision. But watching Wilf really get bullied by Rudiger and, and, and uh, Silva as well, it, it, was, it was difficult. It, I thought he had, a, he, had a, he had one of those difficult kind of games where he almost had to drift across that front line and not really... And, and, and couldn't really influence it massively. But... It, it, to me, it, it, it felt like a decent enough kind of lineup. But then behind him, what was going on in the centre of midfield just seemed to be lacking a little bit. And again, we're talking about Palace, Palace's midfield playing against Conte, uh, Conte and Jorginho. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, well, you know, World Cup, uh, sorry, European Championship winning midfielders this, and a, a World Championship winning side. It is one of those things that, you, you know, we're, we're comparing very 
very different teams. Um, but it just felt a little bit frustrating for Wilf and a little bit frustrating for the midfield, didn't it? I, I, I agree with you on the Wilf front. He had his, his, his greatest joy was in that area um, behind or around Andreas Christensen, who was operating it right back. And that's not the position that he, he plays particularly. Um, he's, he's a centre-half. So the chances in the first half tended to be in that when Wolf got into those areas and in that left left hand channel I disagree with a bit on the midfield I thought I thought Palace competed well in in midfield where they were effectively outnumbered in terms of I mean Chelsea for until they made those substitutions and changed their shape again they had Jorginho sitting and they had Kante and Pulisic operating in central areas I, I, I thought I thought we bullied Pulisic today I thought he I thought Kiyate and MacArthur were excellent in terms of keeping them quiet. Kante was a problem. Kante's runs in the first half, really with the chance that he had when Malang Sar slips him through behind MacArthur, that yeah. that was a, an issue. But that's Kante bombing on, and and you know that does he's not a, he's not a great finisher of, of 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 chances. So we got away with that. But I, I think for me. I, I find myself getting frustrated with Schlupp to some extent. I thought in the second half he was much better. He picked up the ball a bit more and was a bit more driving. But in the first half, it just seemed a little bit ponderous. And yeah. from, from a, again, let's be fair, we're comparing Schlupp against Kante and, and you know all of these things. It is gonna, it is gonna, it is gonna be a, a bit of a mismatch. Um, but I thought Schlupp was playing operating. I mean, I, I, I thought we played a four-two-three-one, and, and Schlupp was effectively the left winger, yeah. really. And Elise was operating as a 10 and I didn't think that was you know he's not flinging crosses over but thank god he's not flinging crosses over they've got no one in the middle to put them in I mean they actually the irony being that I think Klein and Mitchell put over two really tantalising crosses in the first half in particular and there was there was literally I mean Benteke and Mateta must have been kicking their heels on the bench thinking whoa that's frustrating but look, look, look I, I see the logic I see the logic you're losing and the Gallagher's Energy. You're losing his dynamism. You, the, the, the running ability. Okay, he's maybe not been quite as good at that of late as he had been at the start of the season. But you're still taking a large amount of dynamism out of the team. So you have to try and counter out that somehow. So you put in a, a compact but um, energetic midfield with Elise creating from the centre. That there is a logic to that approach. It just we shouldn't underestimate. You're absolutely right in terms of of. A, a thankless task to ask Wilf to, to do it but he did it as well as he could but Thiago Silva is at 37 I think he is now he's an elite level defender He's there aren't many better in the Premier League than him and Antonio Rudiger for all that he can be comical at times and he's the martyr of the dark arts and he's he winds people up and he was doing that in that game as well down on the corner flag with Jordan Ayew yeah. he's a bloody good defender and he's, and he's having the form he's the form of his career really under Thomas Tuchel so you know it's not it's not a a surprise that Wolf would find that difficult. Uh, Jesse, let's go to you for your losers. Loser. Losers. So just on that Benteke, I'm going to make a small prediction that he doesn't start for Vieira ever again. Ooh. I, yeah, I think that's quite possible. I, I, I think um, the pattern over the last few games, I, I could very much see that being the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on, on that point, so my loser is a collective, got a collective of losers that I'm calling the AFCON understudies. <laughs> and um, they've all stepped in nobly and, you know, taken their chances. I'm talking the likes of Will Hughes, 
Reader Wild, who didn't even make the bench on Saturday because we were so strength, strong now with all our players back. Benteke, I think Luca struggled to get back in the team. I think Schlupp's hanging on um, as an AFCON understudy, but I feel maybe the real exception is Elisa, who before AFCON was not a starter. Yeah. If you think about how far he's come in five or six weeks, that sort of says it all. But yeah, I think it's going to be a real challenge for the others to, to try and keep places in the side. Um, you've only got to look at Kiate and, and Maka. Maybe we'll call it the, the Mukafcon <laughs> understudies. Because um, kind of, MacArthur's been away at the same, seems to have been out this, over the same period. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's we're all back, back to full strength now and hopefully that will really coincide with it with the sort of more positive, more consistent number of results coming up. I think uh, calling Riederweld an understudy is even quite generous. He, he didn't even get cast. He didn't even get cast as an understudy. He, he, uh, he's just, he's in the audition office. He's in the, he's in the casting director's office still being asked to leave. Um, so I think that, uh, I don't think we'll see much of him either uh, for a while. It was strange, wasn't it? It was strange, wasn't it? Because he came on in a Premier League game as a sub. Who was that against? Villa? Uh, West Ham. West Ham. He came on um, almost to kind of suggest that he would just be getting some game time before he would step in against Millwall, which I don't know if he played in that game, but he sort of of looked like he might. Yeah, so it looked like he might get some game time, but I don't think we've seen him since Millwall, have we? No. Don't think so. No. Um, Again, he might be another one that maybe departing SE25 in the summer, you'd think, unless there's a drastic requirement for him to feature any impresses between now and the end of the season. I just, um, a bit like, in fact, I'll say a uh, similar vein to, to Jesse's prediction about Benteke, I don't think we'll see, and I think my, my odds are probably shorter than, than Jesse's, but I don't think we'll see Riedeveld start a game and, and possibly will we even see him again feature from the bench, as you say, with the full squad available on Saturday, he didn't make the bench, so um, yeah, maybe pastures need for him in the summer. Just to, in relation to um, Coyette and Maka, <laughs> there was some playful uh, banter in the uh, Banter. It was just banter, as Richard Keyes calls it. Um, but there was uh, some banter when MacArthur and Coyette on the, on the video that Palace released once Coyette got back from Afcon of uh, of Maka saying, "Check now we're both back. Perhaps we can start winning again." Which I felt was a bit mean, but <laughs> equally there, there's probably some statistic uh, fact behind that. So um, yeah, I, uh, Maka and uh, and Coyette, I think it's it's the two of the midfield places. Whether we play two or three two of those spaces are almost certain to be theirs. And obviously Connor, when we play a third, will, will be that third and, and, and perhaps would lay claim to one of those two if um, uh, if, if, if uh, Patrick Vieira sticks of a two. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one for Luca and Will Hughes. They, they probably will be spending more time on the bench now that those players have returned. It's unfortunate that Will Hughes kind of lost his place to Macca um, at Brentford and going down injured because it probably made that decision for him. Um, but as Jesse says... Schlupp might be kind of hanging on and uh, maybe Schlupp and Will Hughes may interchange between now and the season when there are places available in that midfield. Yes, we'll see. Certainly in the case of uh, Riedervald, I think it's uh, for PV, it's a Chino Riedervald. Chino Riedervald. For the end of the season. (laughs) Right, anyway, that was our winners and losers. If you wanted to hear that and you didn't on the public feed, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P podcast to hear that and post-match pods and all sorts each week. Uh, But right now it's time for a break and when we come back, questions. 
my brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Fabric Plan Podcast. Pod four one seven. It's time for some questions from our listeners. Lots of questions from Jonathan Walton, uh, Tony Adimsky, all asking Kevin about the bit of paper. These questions are increasing each week with each result. So Kevin's not here, obviously, um, but I am seeing him tonight, so I'll, I'll ask him. And later on in the week, we can uh, or next week, if he's back on, we can find out about the paper. But I suspect it is uh, creeping towards that back pocket. Uh, Russell Levy. Hello, Russell. Hi, Russell. Hi, Russell. Have we, here we go, have we reversed back around the corner, which we turned earlier in the season? <laughs> There's been a lack of corner-turning questions, actually. So thank you, Russell, for bringing it back on brand. Um, I don't know. Let, let's just move on from that. Because actually, actually, that does lead us quite nicely into some of the more serious questions. Uh, Seb991. Hello, Seb. Seb. Hi, Seb. Hi, Seb. Quite simply, are we in danger of relegation? And I'll add into that. Uh, LJ Bromeld, which is Lynn, I believe that's Lynn. Uh, hi, Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Uh, uh, why haven't we won more in five? Oh, why haven't we won more than five games? Oh, Jack, when you put it like that, should we be worried about relegation? I think we've run, we've uh, won one more game than Norwich, possibly. I think Norwich were the, the club that I saw us compared to the other day. So when you think of it and, and, and think of it like that, it's yeah, it's not, it's not great, but um. 
that is um, against a very, very big amount of draws that we've had this season. That's why we are relatively comfortable in comparison to the bottom three. I, I think I will reserve judgment in terms of my perception of relegation threat until after these two games and uh, my my panic levels are likely to change should those two results not go the way that we would all like them to. Um, but I think right now, statistically, it's um, about a one in 20 chance that we will go down. I think um, you can still get fairly good odds um, of us to go down. So if you are worried and want a bit of a financial insurance, then uh, <laughs> pop down to the local bookies and and, and put a bit on there. But um, I, I don't know. I, th- I think, again, we've had a... A weekend where Palace haven't had the good result, but this time, unlike the weekend before, um, we have seen Watford win and we've seen Burnley win. And when the results of those below you start to pick up, you do start to panic. That said, um, the clubs that are kind of sandwiched between us and the bottom three, namely Everton and Leeds, um, didn't win and looked quite poor by all accounts. I think Mm. Leeds looked good for, for 10 minutes when I was watching yesterday, but... You know, United looked like they could score every time they went forward. And Everton really looked poor again, despite the win against Leeds the previous week. Southampton had a fairly comfortable win against them. So, you know, regardless of what the, the form of the bottom three is, there are other clubs, Brentford, another one who, um, when I saw them the week before, I think most Palace's fans' perception of them, they, they weren't up to much. So I, I'm still quite comfortable, but yeah, uh, bad evenings at Vicarage Road, and a bad afternoon next week at Selhurst, and uh, I, I might be a little bit more nervous. But it's it's in the back of my mind. But I, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm relatively comfortable still. Here's someone Jesse that is fairly comfortable. Patrick Stevens. Uh, he says, "How can some of our fans go from the, in my view, correct excitement about this new team and style of play under PV to panic about relegation?" And criticism of selection. We are playing some of the best football I've seen at Palace, competing in every game and only a few points off the top half. I'm loving it. I feel very relaxed about the rest of the season. And the odd late equaliser, missed pen, dodgy ref doesn't change that. How do you feel about this, Jesse? Well, to me, it's not far off where you thought we might be when Vieira was appointed. You know, we have to remember he, his first day at work was the first day of pre-season. Um, he had a lot of players out of contract. He looked like he was up against it. When Graham Potter over t- took over at Brighton, it was in May, and he had the whole summer to, to kind of take his first Premier League role. So we can't we can't lose sight of the fact he did face a little bit of an uphill uphill battle on paper. Just managed to get off to a good start and just been trotting along quite well until you've started to see some lower teams get excitable. So that's what that's where we're at. Um, I don't know. In some ways, it kind of. I hate to say this, but there's something about Pardew's FA Cup final season here, isn't it? Terrible league form in the second <laughs> half of the season, coinciding with the FA Cup run, kind of kept him in a job in some ways. So there's a bit of that about it as well. It's, you know, he, he's going to take his time to, to properly bed in. And he's doing a good job with some of the younger players. They, they're playing for him, clearly. Um, I think we know that it's things like the finishing um, that are letting us down at the moment. The performance is generally good. But, you know, we can't be expecting much better. We really can't. This is, this is looking relatively safe. Uh, it would take a, a unprecedented run of results on ours and the teams below us parts to really make me worry more than, more than this. I guess the worry probably comes from the fact that, or maybe not the worry, that's the wrong word, maybe the frustration, the fact that we could and should probably have nine 
or 10 more points, really, when you look at how we lost some of those points earlier in the season. And we were all very relaxed earlier in the season. So we were like, well, you know, they're playing well. They're, they're losing to, or throwing away points to a late goal or this kind of thing. But actually, that it does creep up on you and catch up with you at some point in the Premier League. And, you know, it's a, it's a harsh, tough division. So I think that's maybe where the frustration comes from, that, that we, we could be doing better and probably should be doing better for some of the performances and maybe some of the quality we have in the team. But as you say, Jesse, we're not a million miles away. And as Patrick says, you know, I missed Penn at Norwich and we win that game. The oddly late equaliser earlier in the season, we have more points. So it's, uh, again, it, it sort of depends on how full your glasses, I guess, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we are nearly in eight, uh, nearly in March, as Jack says, some of those teams down there starting to pick up the odd result. And I think it's potentially squeaky bum time, not too far away. But this week is a big one with Watford and Burnley, which we'll preview in part five. Um, so, uh all can change in the next four or five but days. Jesse's mentioned the cup run season. We did talk about that in the pub after the game on, on Saturday. And that, that is very fair comparison because, you know, after the turn of the new year in that season, our form fell off a cliff. And, you know, we're, we're nearly at the end of February. Yes, we have two very winnable games between now and the next payday, uh, which is uh, not on my mind at all. But um, we, we could win both of those games. Should we not, then we will be, you know, over two months from our last league win, which was Norwich at home. Um, so there are there are comparisons to be had, but the you know the the good thing is that there there are two games coming up quickly, and the club and the players can put that right. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, the 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 party season we we were fifth at Christmas. Um, I think after Yannick's great goal at Stoke that season, this season we were 12th at Christmas. So we don't have the same buffer between points. And and if our trajectory in terms of our points was to continue, we will be within sight from those other clubs. Those clubs will still see Palace as, a, as an achievable thing. But, you know, we've got two massive games coming up. I know we'll touch on them in the next part. I, I do think... Um, we, we, we still have it in our control. And, and as a football team, you can ask for nothing more than that to have stuff in your control rather than relying on others. So Agreed, yeah. o- over to Patrick and co. I agree. It was Chungy with the goal at Stoke, but it was Yannick that got injured. Oh, sorry. Yes. I know, um, but I, yes, I, I, do, I associate that game with Yannick as well. Yes, because he got injured uh, celebrating fact, yeah, the goal. Yannick, yeah, celebrated the goal. And then that, to be fair, was the uh, the kind of gunshot for yeah. the, the season to yeah fall off a little bit yeah of course Chungy sorry sorry Chungy how can I forget your one moment in a palace shirt (laughs) (laughs) poor Chungy Um, but before we go on to uh, previewing the last two games really quick Jack I know you're probably expecting this most weeks now really quick question from CPFC Monk 08 Uh, hello Monkey Um, do we play Ward after Klein's performance yesterday personally thought Klein had a bit more attacking threat to him than Ward I suspect maybe with with lots of games coming up it might be chopping and changing but it was the first time we've seen Kleine for a while and we were talking about him in previous pods, weren't we? So where does that, as, as the Joel Ward representative, where does that leave? <laughs> I mean, in? I don't actually know. I don't, I don't know why Joel didn't feature. I, I fully appreciate there was probably just cause for him to have a break and, and be on the bench, but I don't think he was on the bench. So my, my presumption is there's a, there may be, maybe an injury there. So whether he's likely to feature at Watford or against Burnley on Saturday, I, I don't know. I thought Kleine did, did okay. Um, he, he wasn't, by any stretch of the imagination, the you know a standout, but he was solid. Um, dealt with Pulisic fairly well. Pulisic kept coming inside um, for midfield, and and Anderson often had to kind of pick him up instead. But no, I thought Klein was 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 good. And there was a moment when Tariq went down in the first half, um, and 
I, I did wonder what would happen in that situation if he uh, if he'd had to go off. We'd probably see Klein go to um, to left back, uh, and then maybe Martin Kelly come on at full back, possibly. Uh, the Adaramola was on the bench, so that possibly could have happened. Although that would really would have been a baptism of fire in the Premier League to come on against that Chelsea front line. Um, but no, I thought I thought Klein was solid, and 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 to be honest, has shown that if we do need to call upon him between now and the end of the season, however many times that might be, he's going to do a job. So that's all you can ask for of a squad player. Indeed. The Jack Butland of the right-back position. The Jack Butland of the right-backs, yeah. Or, or is Jack Butland and Nathaniel Klein of the goalkeepers? I just don't know. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Um, Should we take a quick break there and we'll come back and we'll preview two big games for Palace this week against Watford and Burnley. Okay, let's get this cavity filled. Uh, doctor, I think your tank is leaking laughing gas. Gas? <laughs> Did you hear you can save on gas at BJ's Wholesale Club? Wait, you can save on gas at BJ's? <laughs> yeah, members save on everyday low gas prices. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> nope, these savings are no joke. <laughs> BJ's, absurdly simple savings. Shop today. Not a member? Go to BJ's.com slash simple savings. Welcome back to the Puppet Plan Podcast. Pod 417. Uh, right, two games to preview. Watford away, Burnley out. We weren't sure whether to do this episode on Thursday or Monday. The midweek games generally really do sort of muck up the schedule of pod- podding, but we're we're going to lump the Watford and the Burnley games together, Jesse, as they're pretty big games. So we're going to hopefully next week be talking about some sort of two lovely victories to ease the worries. Um, we've got questions here, three questions of a similar vein from Mike Phillips, uh, S. Channon, and Vintage 805 Scoots. <laughs> hey guys <laughs> guessing that's scooters I don't know I kind of want to find out what that is um, Mike Phillips Roy their, question, gonna... their question is do you want to buy a scooter <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, if it's an FIP branded one yes we'll, we'll buy it um, which basically would be a scooter that can't go around corners um, so Mike Phillips question uh, Roy's going to go Pete Hodgson a mastermind of victory with 13% possession on Wednesday isn't he uh, vintage it's weird playing Roy I'm nervous he's going to pull a Roy on us Shannon, anyone worried about Roy doing a job on us, keep Watford up and drag us into relegation? Jesse, are you worried about getting out Royed on Wednesday? Yes. Yeah, I think it's fully on the cards. I think he might just troll us and put like three subs on a half time or something like that. <laughs> just he'll do something very uncharacteristic that we've never seen. And it will end up being like the key moment. Um, I, I, you know, he obviously knows this squad better than anyone because it's not hugely... Okay, the the spine of the team's kind of the same, I guess. Um, but he managed this team for four or five years, so the players that are still there, he knows very well. So I I wouldn't be surprised if he's got very good instructions for his team to snuff out our dangers. Um, and it's after off the back of a win for Watford, you've got to think they're going to be uh, a little bit excited about. Um, what a back-to-back win could mean for their league position. They're off the bottom now, aren't they? So, um, typical Palace that we are playing them now in a rearranged fixture with Roy in charge and they've just had a good result. Um, I think it could be a little bit dicey. I think, I think we'd do well not to lose. I, I would take a draw in some ways. 
Yeah, I think, Jackie, I mean, I think really, I think it probably will be a draw. I think probably nil-nil, to be honest. If you look at the sort of scoring form of both teams recently. And I think it th- how the game goes depends on Palace, really. Because I think we know how Watford are going to play. I mean, we know Roy well, and that's how they played in the first few games. I think if Palace come out going for it, then who knows what will happen if Palace sit back and 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 then it will be two teams not wanting to lose and probably a nil-nil. But uh, what are your worries and thoughts going into it? I mean, I've got a lot of love for Roy. I, you know, he gave us four very stable seasons of Premier League football um, and and did uh, inspire uh, an incredible escape given the start of that season under De Boer. So when, when I hear of kind of people... To almost talking about Roy uh, and and his tactics, almost dark arts. I, I do struggle with that a little bit because I've got a lot of fondness for for his time at Palace. And and while some of the football was quite turgid, we also did see some some very memorable performances and some memorable uh, results. So yeah, that, that, I just want to put that on the record really first. It, yeah, I mean we we <laughs> while I say that, I am fully expecting him to uh, do a number on Palace. I, I think there'll be um, a clear plan regarding. Wilf, who who Hodgson will know uh, very very well, um, and off the if he, I mean if you said to Roy away to Villa and at home to Palace, would you take four points? He probably would have said yes. So if he's thinking yeah. of it that way, he's already got three in the bag, um, and and a point against Palace would would supplement that uh, result of Villa part very nicely. So it uh, you know don't don't go for the football would be my idea on Wednesday. Night. I don't think there's going to be um, a fantastic game, but I do think we've got the players that even if Roy you know, does put his plan to to um, to use. I still think we've got the players that can make the difference. Wolf can make a difference in any game. And now we've got Elise, particularly if you were to play in that 10 again, um, who I think, um, sorry, if he, in that position, could really influence the game. I, I think Watford's weakest part of their pitch is actually central midfield. I, I think teams have, have walked through them many times this season um, due to the lack of quality in that middle of the park. Roy will obviously have changed things and tweaked things. And they might be better there now, but I still think Elise will have the quality to um, to really influence the game if he wants to. So um, unlike Jesse, I would take a point on Wednesday because of, of the respect I have for Roy and, and what I'm expecting him to do. And I, I actually think... Um, I think we're actually going to draw both these games that are coming up. I, I think we're, in some ways, it's going to be very weird because I think if we draw both those games, because the impact it will have on both Watford and Burnley and not kind of um, drawing closer to the teams above them, it probably would reduce the prospects of relegation for Palace, but is likely to increase the um, kind of concern and an upset amongst the Palace fan base. So it'd be, a, be an odd um, combination, but yeah, it, it, Roy Roy's going to Roy, isn't he? That, that's that's <laughs> what he's going to do. It's, it's quite, I think on a, go on. It's quite weird coming up against a team at this point in the season for the first time. We haven't played them yet. We've got to play so them, yeah. them again in May as well. Um, and I, their team seems slightly unrecognisable. They've lost a lot of the players we're used to seeing. I get, I'm thinking of Takure and Dini yeah. Um, yeah. Since, since the last time we played them, I guess, because they just came up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. one thing to think about is, is you know, as Jesse said earlier, if, if Roy was to mix things up and make a triple sub after 15 minutes or something and, and Ray's wearing trousers, I mean, who are you guys? Who are you? You've changed. You've changed, guys. You, and you're it, not the same anymore. And he's high-fiving Harry the Hornet as well. I mean, who oh, is this guy? <laughs> it's my most infamous Twitter beef with a bloke who dresses as a Hornet. I mean, it wasn't a proud moment for me, but... Are you that, one of the guys that, that un- guy. unmasked him and, and made his position? No, no, that, no, that was not me. But I, I did call a man who dresses as a bumblebee or whatever he does a hornet. 
that's yeah, probably Hornet, Bumblebee. Bumblebee's more offensive. I did call him something that I don't call many people uh, on social media. And uh, oh the, the people of Hertfordshire, I don't think you were one of them, but the people of Hertfordshire <laughs> did did come after me. But yeah, if Ray's making friends with him, uh, that's not a good look for, for Ray. Or <laughs> no, Roy. Sorry, or not a good Roy. look for Roy. It's going to be it's going to be weird seeing Roy in another uh, dugout, actually, I think, after the four years we had him in charge. So I think it's going to be... I, I slightly remember when... Uh, one of his early games was away at West Brom when they had Pardew in charge and Pardew wasn't, didn't hit the ground running at all there. And I went to that, I think it was a nil-nil draw. And the West Brom fans were loving Roy and actually singing more about him than their own manager. But I, and I don't think that'll be the case for us on Wednesday, but I think it'll be a similar sort of weird situation to see him, someone that we did, most of us pretty loved, really. J.D., um, that would probably because their manager at the time was Alan Pardew. Who, yeah, well, exactly. In, in terms of managerial appointments, was probably the... Uh, the worst one that West Brom have ever made in the Premier League. So, yeah, yeah. Agreed. So anyway, we'll see how it goes. And we're back next week to review both those games. Uh, but in the meantime, and of course, it'll be post-match podcast for the patrons um, after both of those. Patron.com. Bur- Burnley will be a chat. Burnley will be a challenge. I know we haven't really touched on Burnley. Oh though, yeah, we but, haven't, have we? <laughs> yeah. But, but Burnley will be a challenge and, and they did everything that Burnley do well on Saturday and and were the by far the better team and three 0 didn't flatter them from everything I've read and I've spoken to a few Brighton fans and 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 Burnley did exactly what you'd worry Burnley would do. And in Voot Veghorst up front they've got someone who will occupy a back line. Uh, I know a lot of Palace fans had concerns that Lukaku was going to do a job on Anderson, which didn't prove to be the case. And I hope that Anderson continue that form against Voot Veghorst because um yeah, he's he's a handful. And, and technically decent as well. Yeah. Not only will he occupy defenders physically, he will um, pose a threat as well. So, yeah. Do they play midweek? Because I know they've, they've got about 18 games in hand. So um, maybe their mood going into the game it, on Saturday will depend on that result as well, I if they have they got another played, game. Didn't they play Tottenham? They play Tottenham. They play Tottenham in midweek, yeah. Um, which obviously, given Spurs result of the weekend, it's probably, probably gone from, yeah, they're playing Tottenham on the same time. Well, I mean, that's about as Spurs as it gets to beat. Manchester City yeah. and then lose to lose Burnley. To what, so. to Burnley. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah very, well, we'll very see. Possible. You're right. It'll be interesting. Weghorst, I think, will, yeah. It's, Burnley are ever so slightly sort of slightly improving, which does worry me a little bit, but we will see. Uh, hopefully, we'll go into it off a nice positive result on Wednesday night. But I think we should wrap up the pod there, guys. Uh, thank you very much. Jesse, thanks for coming on. See you again soon, hopefully, uh, in, a, in, a, in a hot pants uh, format and also <laughs> on here as well. <laughs> thanks, thanks, JD. Yeah, um, for the, for clarity, let's make it clear that's not a choice of outfit. It's it's an alternative <laughs> podcast. Yeah, Pardew's hot pants is a nostalgia spin-off. If you haven't heard it yet, where have you been? We're doing it for two years, uh, but please come and join me, Jesse, and Richard at some point. Uh, and Jack, thanks for being on. It's good to have thanks, you. JD. Yeah, um, listener, we have had some technical difficulties, so um, yeah, yeah. Ho- hope you enjoyed that pod because. There was some emergency WhatsApping going on yeah, there was. Uh, this afternoon. So I'm hoping the edit will be so good they won't notice <laughs> where it was. But it'll probably be very obvious. But thank you guys, you two, for being very. You won't amenable. hear about that. Appar- apparently, trees have fallen and there's been damage <laughs> to infrastructure. But the the real victim of Storm, Storm Eunice and now Franklin was the recording of this pod. <laughs> Indeed, we we made it happen. That persistence uh, was there. So thank you very much. Uh, thanks to our listeners. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the week. Hopefully, we'll see you again next week. Until then, stay safe. Watch out for falling trees, and we'll see you again soon. Bye. Sports 
Sports Social Podcast Network.